Welcome to Power Plant Radio, brought to you by Prana On. I'm Billy Simmons, and in our program, we dig deep with outstanding members of the Prana On tribe. Our guests share their personal journeys so we can all learn, benefit, and appreciate what it takes to achieve greatness. From politics to sport, nutrition to ethics, from setbacks to success, and all around good vibes, this is Power Plant Radio. All right, everyone, welcome to Power Plant Radio. Today, we've got a really special guest, uh, Dr. Rich. I've known Dr. Rich for a few years now. Um, we uh, trained together, it was CrossFit, and um, you know, it's interesting because that was a community that I didn't expect to, to find, uh, or meet a person like uh, Dr. Rich. And I, f- I found it really, really interesting to, um, to have a chat to him about topics that, that are close to the heart of the company, uh, to, to our brand, Prana On, and uh, to the people that, that really are, are part of our community and our tribe. And um, you know, he's got a really interesting perspective and story to tell. So welcome, Dr. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. With us. Absolutely. So, um, so of course, the doctor implies uh, that that you um, that you already are someone that's that's probably um, in a field or a particular area that's a little bit different to to the rest of the world. So tell us a little bit about that. You're a vet. Yeah, uh, mate. Yeah. Yep. So I uh, I went to vet school at in Brisbane at the University of Queensland. And yeah, that's about the the end of the doctor story. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, he's humble, you see. So uh, I mean, that that in itself is an academic achievement. Um, but the particular genre of it, choosing to care for animals. So so there would have been a point in time that you decided that look, I want to want to devote my life and my career to the caring and, and understanding and helping um, animals. So that's that's pretty noble because um, last time I looked, uh, they don't really get an opportunity to thank you back. Uh, they, you know, they're often victims or they're suffering and, you know, they're just trying to, just trying to live. Um, and the interaction of a vet often is, is not something that, you know, that the animal has its visit and it, if it's a clinic, for example, it comes there and then it leaves again. So you don't get the benefit of the animal getting better and, and perhaps, you know, enjoying it. So it's, it's, it might be a bit of a, it's a very selfless pursuit, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and mate, look, there's, there are plenty of thanks you know, getting to see them feel good. And I mean, we get plenty of dogs and, and sometimes cats too that, that come in and are happy to be there and happy to see us. And that's pretty amazing. But also seeing when they're not feeling good that, that they go home feeling good, that's, that is plenty of thanks. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you've got the clinic, it's the Vet Collective at Miami on the Gold Coast. Yep. And um, it's a little bit different to, to a lot of other clinics. Um, is, that, is that from... Um, some of the you've spoken a little to me about some of the animals that you've had there they're a bit outside the dogs and cats as well um but what are the principles of of the clinic yeah sure i i developed the clinic after spending a number of years in in small animal practice and in privately owned and and corporate owned practices and just kind of started asking questions why does every clinic look like that why does every clinic do it that way and the answers weren't that they needed to be like that so I, i sort of started pushing that a little bit and when I decided to that I wanted to do something my own way and, and open a clinic from scratch we thought oh well let's not do it the way everyone else did and uh and and yeah that's what how the how the vet collective was, collective was born and I guess the the aim is that hopefully people come in and the environment's relaxing because mm. it absolutely can be pretty stressful no one really goes to the vet just for for fun Mm. They're, they're going there because they need to do something and, and often people are, are stressed out 
because they're worried their animal's going to be stressed or that something's going to be painful. Um, and so the, the less stressful the environment is good for everybody. Yeah, okay. So obviously just for, for their owners as well. So for sure. that's a big part of it too, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the, the tension is typically heightened because you've got both an animal in stress and its owners worried, you know, what, what's happening. Totally. Um, and they, it's, it's pretty hard to, to understand what's going on for an animal a lot of the time, isn't it? They, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes we get people come in with, with pets and the pets are chilling out. You know, we can, I, I'm, I'm getting reasonably good at helping them, but then it's having to deal with the people, you know, and saying, <laughs> hey, this is all good, you know. He's having a great time. We're, yeah. you know, we've got some, some snacks flowing and uh, pats are going on and yeah. just relax. We, we got it. So, oh. yeah, that's the, that's the vibe. That's why it looks different. Yep. Um, and then I guess in terms of functionality, that just stems from, from what we like to do. And, and I guess, again, it comes down to behavioral stuff. I, I want animals to enjoy coming in. I want them to come in happy, yep. not be dragged in kicking and screaming. I want them to think of that place as a place where there are positives. You know, yeah, there are going to be negatives. Yeah, there are needles and sometimes mm. rubber gloves and things yeah. like that. But uh, there, are pl- there can be plenty of positives as well. Absolutely. And there seems to be an explosion um, with people with pets. I don't know what it is, but whether it's driven a little bit by social media and people just being able to really kind of see animals um, and all types of there's designer dogs and there's, you know, there's just, I mean, cats are probably one of the most, cat videos the most shared, you know, going on, on the internet. So it just seems like that, that people are, um, are so much more, um, you know, they're willing to take on an animal and um, re-coordinate their life just to have one in their life. So Absolutely. And I, I think one of the biggest things is generally, generationally that that relationship is changing. So, you know, when, when we were kids and, and our folks had the family and, and pets, compared to now, I think those animals are so much more part of the family and they're mm. intensively part of the family. They're in, in homes, in bedrooms and... I love it because you just get so much more from them and you can give them so much more. Um, you get to know them so much better. Mm. And, and why do you think it is people have pets? It's a, it's a, I, you know, it's a question that, that if, if you weren't, you know, for, if you're from another planet, you look down, you'd, um, you'd kind of look at it and go, what's that about? You know, because then it, it obviously poses the question, why do we have, you know, eat some and, and have some for sure. know, in our homes? But just principally, why do you think people have pets? Yeah, I, I think in a word, companionship. Yep. Yeah, um, certainly per- personally, I just love, they're my friends. Yeah. So it's, it's like having friends and I'm in. Some of my best friends aren't human. <laughs> That's Prob- so cool. Probably can, the best I want, friend. I bet everyone can probably relate to that yeah. to some degree. You're right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think the best friend that I've ever had is, was a dog, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... So companionship, and why do you think it is then that we've chosen to chosen to um, have certain animals as companions, yep. and and others uh, that that we just simply don't relate to before even we even get to the the other end of the spectrum where we're you know we're we're killing those animals for food, but just somewhere in the middle there, there's a lot of animals that kind of just didn't get domesticated, right? For sure, and I look, I think dogs are a very unique case in that dogs moved into human civilization as, as humans began creating civilizations and, and, and grouping dogs kind of came in of their own accord and, and did that. So that a lot of people, I think, think of domestication of a dog like, Oh yeah, we're going to breed a Labradoodle, you know, but domestication happened 
as they decided, hey, these people aren't all bad. Actually, they're putting out like food scraps and things and, and providing some protection for us. And so I feel like those two species have kind of moved together for a number of thousand years. And, and so dogs are very unique. They're amazing. They have an amazing ability of, of reading our body language and facial cues and, and things like that. So they're basically purpose built to, to be buddies with people. Mm. Um, cats less so, but, but I think the more and more that we have cats in our, in our lives and, and we're breeding animals that are very, very much becoming domesticated, same deal, yep. you know? Um, but yeah, absolutely. That one of the things that really interests me, are, are animals that like rabbits. So we don't, we don't have them in Queensland as, as pets. Mm. It's illegal, but people have pet rabbits and also they're produced, you know, they're, Yes, they're farmed absolutely and so yeah look it's it's one of those things that that's a real conundrum that those animals are, are individual sentient beings with their own character and people have them and love them and they're cuddly and cute and playful and at the same time there are you know there are thousands of them being farmed somewhere and they're illegal in queensland because obviously they breed like rabbits um and they're yep. concerned that it could uh, mess up the, the ecosystem if if they became uh, too prevalent in the wild is that is that what yeah it is? so that they, i mean rabbits have been declared a pest in in queensland and so subsequently mm. you can't have them without very specific licensing yeah. um yeah that's a different story G- gorgeous right. animals though aren't they and you're right they're kind of in the middle there they're they're an animal that not necessarily i mean they are produced yep. uh, for different purposes um you know i think in some cases, actually i remember 20 years ago in sydney uh when i was in high school and there was um, a young guy that worked in a pretty remote kind of area and he worked at a rabbit farm, but it sold the meat to kebab stores. Yeah, I couldn't wow. believe it. You know, I was like, geez, that's, that's still happening. Totally. Well, not that I thought it was still happening. I just couldn't believe that it happened in principle. I thought you were going to say that he had a pet rabbit at home. Uh, no, it was, it was pretty wild actually. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised. I certainly didn't eat kebabs after that. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they're, they're actually, I had pet rabbits when I was young, beautiful animals. And They're amazing pets. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, man, I would love one. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy that we, we can't have them up here, but mm. yeah, again, that's a, I yeah. won't get into that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's possibly an agenda there sitting behind. Oh, it. look, it's just weird political things. It's like, uh, like breed specific legislation in dogs. Mm. You know, you, you can't have that kind of dog because it looks a certain way. And I don't, I don't agree with those things. I think that, as long as dogs are bred from, you know, well, um, just don't breed dogs, adopt them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, breed specific legislation is a, is a bit crazy. And uh, I think the same thing goes when you say you can have that species, but not that species. If it's done right, it can be done well, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see other countries that are pretty um, pretty relaxed about some other, other animals that, um, that, yeah, we certainly can't have in Queensland. I know that um, you know, in the States, for example, people have got pigs at home. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they're such a unique animal. I think people don't give them enough credit, uh, for just how intelligent they are. If, um, you know, I've been to, to animal sanctuaries and, and got chances to, to, you know, really spend some time with them. And I mean, it's pretty sad once they're a bit older. Um, but yep. certainly when they're young, they've just got so much spirit. Um, and oh, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who, who had one, he actually it's a really cool story she just lives out the back of the gold coast on some property and one of her neighbors bought 10 or a dozen pigs leading up to christmas to be dinner Mm, right anyway one of these guys escaped 
ended up on her property. And by the time that the previous owner had found where he'd gone, they'd fallen in love. And so she said, I want to keep him. I'll pay you for him. She kept him 10 years. Oh, and uh, she actually, we, we actually, my wife and I put him to sleep mm. a, about a month or two ago because he was, as you say, they get so big because they're bred to get big, right? Mm. So they're bred to yep, be enormous. Absolutely. And it knocks their joints around. Yeah, they can't uh, stand after a few years. Yeah, yeah, and so he was, I mean, this guy was 10. He lived the dream on this property with other animals. Um, and he got to go out on his terms, you know. He, he got to go out sitting under his favorite tree, chilling out, um, and in a very humane way. Yep. Um, and, and every time I do something like that, even for me, where it's, it's always in my mind, I, I still think to myself, it's not fair. That's how every pig should be. Yes. You know? Yep. Live as long as that pig can live as happy as it can and, and go out well. They're, they're actually, um, you know, they're, they're sensitive animals. Um, what do you see some of the similarities between a pig and a, and a dog? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, heaps. I, I think there are, there are different, different nuances, but I, I think in, in certain ways, pigs are, and it, I mean, it's, it's, pretty well known pigs are, are very very intelligent and in certain ways they're more intelligent than dogs mm. um they're very very inquisitive they're cheeky little buggers um and they're and they're real loving when you do see people that have them in their homes as as real pets you get to see that bond form mm. and you see people in a three or four hundred kilo pig cuddling and playing and rolling and scratching and hey it's bath time come on let's go you know yep. yeah they're amazing, but there are, there are lots of similarity, similarities, yeah. mate. Yeah. Yeah. And they've even, um, so they, they have name recognition. So, you, you know, if you if you give them a name, human name, oh. actually, they're going to, you know, come and... and Absolutely. Um, mate, you can teach them tricks. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's incredible. And they've got, between themselves, over 28 different words that they speak, I'm told, between each other as In well. In terms of their natural vocalizations? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Vocalizations are really a big part of lives of pigs yep. compared to dogs where you know vocalizations are, are much less significant um in pigs yeah that's right all the different types of grunts um and squeals depending on what's going on yep. yeah absolutely and they've got human skin uh well their skin is virtually the same as ours as well yeah which is um you know which is incredible that an animal that that's that intelligent that that's um that has that such kind nature um, why do you think it is that we've turned them into food as a, as a human race? Yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to be a fly on the wall back when someone first decided who, what animal was going to stay and what was going to go. Mm. Um, mate, I, I don't know what, what made people decide one way or the other. Mm. Um, certainly, having, having been in different intensive industries as, as part of my, my veterinary training, not, not my career, but as part of vet school it it can't be that it's easy it can't be that it's pretty yeah it's it's not like they chose those animals because oh it's it's really peaceful and they're fine and there's no suffering it's it's yeah it's not that i mm. don't know what it is but it's not that mm, interesting and um you know your your experience in um in vet school i mean you would have had to have been subjected to a wide-ranging um you know diff different uh, angles than and and um, experiences that you might choose to take then once your career um you know you chose which which part of the industry you wanted to work in some of those experiences obviously have, have, 
have you know turned you into someone that's very ethical um, vegan plant-based and um, you know what are some of those experiences that I, I think for, for a lot of people we don't get the opportunity to see it um, from from that perspective yeah for sure mate I guess one of the really cliched ones is we we did abattoir tours because there are veterinarians involved in abattoirs to varying degrees. Um, unfortunately, I think it's less often on a behavioral and welfare point of view as it is kind of carcass inspection as much as I hate to even use that word. But um, So they're part of the business cycle. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so, so we went through there as part, of our, as part of our training and that certainly opened my eyes. Um, less so i get well i guess seeing just how much of a production it is you know it it it's easy and i think industry does and spends an enormous amount of time and money trying to distance here's this cool cow who could absolutely be your friend right and live in the backyard and you could call her by name and she'd come trotting up and mm-hmm. you could give her a snack and give her a scratch and she might lay down and you could you know yeah to this plastic container sitting in a on a fridge shelf right so Mm. i think there's that's not a mistake Mm. um that those two things are are very well distanced but you go into that place and all of a sudden those two things are pulled together wow and you go you you drive in and there are animals in a feedlot situation which itself isn't isn't cool um on a behavioral and and a welfare level you know those animals don't get to do normal things Mm. um but then you go in and you watch them run into that shoot and you can see in their eyes what they're thinking they're thinking what we would be thinking Mm. um and then you see that animal turn from that amazing animal into a product yeah and that's uh pretty eye-opening i i think i heard a speech the other day that said you know if slaughterhouses had glass walls we probably wouldn't be needing to have this conversation right absolutely yeah yeah um, and it was that personal experience for you that actually had, had were you plant-based vegetarian or vegan beforehand? that was no that was very much kind of the beginning that planted oh. the seed yeah yeah and um so over a short period of time beyond that i became vegetarian yes and i was vegetarian for a while for a number of years before i became vegan um but the other experience i think that was was really pivotal in my i guess my entire life mate is is that second year of my vet school um well and and part of early vet school you have to do intensive and extensive husbandry practice so you go and see you go and go to a large-scale beef production unit you go to an intensive like a feedlot thing and anyway i i signed up i was a lazy student so i signed up with what was easy to get to and i went to a a a piggery um that was affiliated with the university and so i signed up for two weeks because that's what i needed to do and i went there for a day and i quit vet school wow yeah one day Mm -hmm. what did you see in that day that changed you oh i just the way those animals are the, the way they live and you know the thing i used to say to people when when i first was became vegetarian they said to me oh you know you know all the standard lines um about we're meant to eat meat or that's what they're there for, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I ended up, I was saying at the time, and this has changed since, that I'm, I was less concerned about those animals dying and even being consumed than I was about how they lived. 
Right. Yep. And how they were living in that environment's not okay. Yep. And so I, I said to myself on that day, man, if this is being a vet, I want out. Yep. And so I, I went home and I was still living at home with mum and dad. Um, typical Aussie family, you know, yes. meeting three veg. And I went home and I said, hey, this isn't cool. I don't want to do it anymore. It's really interesting that you've brought that point. Most people and, and a lot of the, the videos that you might see focus on the death, which of course is, is brutal. It's, it's um, disgusting. But you happen to, to look at the life of the animals Totally, and that was obviously the um, the part that affected you the most, seeing the way yeah. that they lived. Well, mate, I mean, we're all going to die. Mm. That's that's inevitable, right? Yeah. And how that happens, yeah, I I would like for it to be nice and smooth, smooth and stress free and pain free for everybody. But that's a pretty short part of our lives. Mm. If you if your whole life is misery, you know what? You're not even worried about death. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, and, and these animals, they, if they had the opportunity, they would live completely differently. They would, their spirit would be different. Their energy would be different. Of course. But in those environments, you're right though. I mean, they, they are just, um, they already know death's coming. Absolutely. And I mean, there are, there are husbandry procedures that are, are stressful and painful things that happen to animals that we would call infants, right? So mm. let's, you know, let's not call them piglets let's call them infants which is what they are and it, you know there's an early point in time where their teeth are being cut tails are being docked mm. um you know they're being vaccinated they're being medicated injectably all these things that you know we would we would think are super crazy and, and in, inhumane to be doing to well it's now illegal to do it to a dog yeah legally you can't dock a dog's tail yes. unless there's a medical reason yeah. um but it still happens with a pair of like wire cutters without to, without painkillers of course yeah yeah they just you know dozen at a time yeah. and so uh, yeah it's just a huge discrepancy you know a huge disparity between how we treat one and how we treat the other yeah and so yeah i, I made mean, i saw that that day and decided that's okay if that's part of it then i'm i'm out wow um and i thankfully had the thought process to i didn't i didn't technically quit i i deferred okay with no intention of going back um but then a year later decided no it doesn't have to be like that and went back and finished up okay yeah is that difficult um sorry went back to vet school okay but you didn't have to engage haven't in been those. in a piggery since yeah sure yeah and and you've also so you've been to dairy farms as well or yeah yeah absolutely okay. tell us about those look i guess on a on a scale of magnitude in how confronting they are they're they're bigger they're more open so they're less they're less confronting than the piggery was mm -hmm. but really what's happening is not a great deal better um and in fact i'm sure there are there are things that happen that are worse you know um since i i went from vego to vegan i i guess I've said to people now, they, you know, they often people will ask you, oh, I get the vego thing, right? Like, mm. yeah, you're not eating the animal, but the vegan thing's a bit weird. You know, like they're all happy, right? Yeah. And I, I often will say to people, I would, and this won't happen, but I would probably eat meat now before I went back to dairy or eggs. Wow. And they're, they're two foods, um, you know, dairy byproducts, obviously whey protein, is a big one in the industry that, that, that we exist in as a brand. 
Um, eggs, hugely popular in, in for people that are following bodybuilding programs, fitness programs. Totally. So what's... So they're sold as a health food. They're sold yeah. as you know. But what what's going on in those um, those industries that would would put you in a position where you've seen it to say I'd rather probably eat meat than engage with those totally foods. because that animal if you're consuming meat that animal that you're consuming yeah it suffered but it's over yep I'm concerned if you're drinking a glass of milk whoever made that still stuck somewhere yep and, and, and stuck stuck where what does that look like. Um, and I guess that's the hard bit, right? Is that, you know, they spend some of that probably most, most dairy cows probably spend some of their day out on a nice green pasture somewhere. And, and they're the photos that we get, mm. right? That's what's on the side of the packet. But, uh, you know, those, those animals are being bred to produce crazy amounts of milk. So they get, they develop mastitis. They would have pain associated with that. Um, they have issues with their teats they they're forcibly impregnated on a yearly basis so that they continue to produce milk. Those calves are then taken off them. The girls are cycled back into the thing. The boys are either just disposed of or they become veal. Mm. Um, eggs, same vibe. Those animals have been bred to lay an egg a day. Um, is that natural? No. So their closest wild equivalent, which is a jungle fowl in Asia... Uh, would lay an egg a month. Okay. Yeah. So they've stepped that up through a process and through an environment um, to, to obviously get that kind of yield. That's right. Yeah. And and subsequently there are problems. So those, those you know, they will have chickens in intensive situations that will have bound, they'll get bound up, they'll have retained eggs. Mm. That That's often life-threatening. And lots of, as they get a little bit older, they'll have lots of reproductive issues because those, their reproductive systems are just working so hard yeah. to produce those eggs every day. Um, and so, yeah. And then, I mean, thankfully now lots of people know about battery cages mm -hmm. and how crazy they are, but I guess the new enemy is, is cage-free. Yes. And sometimes I think if I were a bird, that might be worse. You know, the, the, the things that the stipulations they put on that are, are constantly being made easier and easier for producers. And those birds are now just in big sheds. They might be crammed in as tight or tighter than they used to be, mm. but they're just not in a cage anymore. Yep. And so, you know, there are, there are benefits from that and there are, there are downsides to that, but the whole thing is, is a production. And then same, I mentioned before, you know, then when those eggs are fertilized and they're producing chicks, the girls go back into the cycle and the boys go into some kind of landfill. It's, uh, it's pretty brutal. They're a waste product. Yeah. Yeah. And with um, the obviously cage free, um, it doesn't necessarily mean sunlight. It doesn't necessarily mean any type of quality interaction. It just simply actually, as you said, probably stressful. There's, there's no boundaries then. Absolutely. So they get panicked, they get stressed and, that would typically then flow very quickly through the whole absolutely uh, yeah it could be more stressful being in you know i think of it as being think prison right you know you, your battery cage is being locked in your cell all the time and that sucks because you're in a tiny space yeah. but you're only exposed to a certain number of people you know um the cage free is when you're all loose in the mess hall yeah yeah and so 
it's still not good. Mm. You, you're still in jail. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and there are more around you. So I, I think there's a lot of in in those situations. There's a lot more kind of behavioural welfare issues to to think about. There there can be a lot of aggression yep. because there are a lot of animals together, um, forced in together. And the same thing goes with with meat chickens. So I mean that's a completely separate industry. Yeah. Those guys are there for a very short amount of time. They're normally there for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. They're about six weeks old when they're... Which is, I mean, incredible. Like, um, you know, everyone um, in the in the bodybuilding community of staple meals, chicken breast. Totally. Which in itself is obviously um, people want to avoid estrogenic foods. I mean, there's nothing more estrogenic than a the mammary gland off, a, off an animal. Yeah. Um, but the environment in which they're, they're um, effectively grown, I mean, is is also in itself um, just if people are exposed to that like you have been, yep. they probably wouldn't want to go near that type of food. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think now, you know, with people are becoming more and more conscious of it, which is amazing. Mm. And, you know, there are there are celebrities that are that are advocating for free range and things like that. And I think done correctly yeah great it, it is a better outcome for those animals it's a better existence sorry yep. for those animals not the outcome is the same um but i think unfortunately when finances come into it then the production can they'll basically they'll ring every dollar out they can so mm. you know those things change where the number of animals per square meter just gets jacked up and up and up and so yeah it's really i, I think again where i was talking about the deliberate kind of distancing of of a pretty cow in a pasture and a slab of steak on a shelf it's the same vibe right like Mm. we we can sell photos of chickens running through a meadow or dairy cows on a nice green rolling pasture but that's it's not the reality it might have been how it was once upon a time 100 percent grandparents parents or something like that yeah but it's obviously due to population now due to um you know profits it, it's completely removed from that, but they're still kind of hiding behind that image. Absolutely. But the reality is, is so much different. Um, and the other part of that, so their, their lives suck. I mean, there's, there's, you couldn't make it clearer. And, um, you know, even even just actually for people that may not necessarily be able to even get a look at what those like, I mean, you just have to simply be in the area of one and you can smell oh. it, you can, you can feel it. Um, but the people that actually work there that's the other side of it doing the killing um or doing the um you know veterinary services to keep the animals alive or producing or whatever it might be that's also in itself pretty horrific isn't it oh man yeah i i I don't know how those guys would do it it must be on some kind of either conscious or subconscious level it must be pretty stressful and 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 i guess damaging it wouldn't surprise me if those people have issues with that either all the time or later down the track and mm. yeah it, and maybe they become desensitized to it but i don't know how they're actually um from what i understand um and i've spoken to someone that that works in that had worked in that industry and they're actually incentivized to pay per kill so they're on a the more that they kill the more they're going to get paid yeah wow. um and that's to to keep production levels high um you know and when you you think about the mathematics of it they mustn't be paid a hell of a lot, given that it's not it's not known as a well, very well paying industry. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty much on par with a lot of other um, process working um, type roles. So, 
you know, you'd have to ask yourself how much would you have to be paid to kill an animal? Yeah. That, and it's it's not an animal that's threatening you. It's not an animal that's um, that you know you've you, you I guess you're um, going out there and it's it's you versus the animal or anything like that. It's actually this pretty defenseless, helpless, and and um, distraught, stressed animal that you know it's it, in a lot of ways it's probably knew it was coming for a long time and that, that must just be so horrific um, yeah. to do it once, let alone repeatedly day in day out for years on end absolutely yeah mate it, it I, I don't understand it and i i just looked at after having seen those circumstances i just look, went home and looked at my pet at that point i had i'd adopted my first dog and uh he's the guy i was talking about was my best mate and i went home and i thought oh how's he different to them and and the answer is not a great deal right yeah he's a dog and i was talking before dogs are pretty unique but in terms of thought processes and and desire to live and do normal things and their sentience there's no difference there they're they're the same Mm. and uh i kind of i'd fallen in love with this guy and i thought to myself would i ever subject him to that and the answer is absolutely not and and i think every single person that i ever see with a dog would say the same thing yeah and then the penny drops and you go, well, I'm paying someone to do that. To yeah, we've outsourced. And, and totally. In, in a supply, um, demand supply economy, every time you buy something, you, you're literally supporting and, and feeding that industry. Absolutely. So by directing your dollars, you're actually directing what industry is going to flourish. So if you're... For sure. People say to me, oh, you, you're vegan, you don't support the farmers. I say, I love the farmers. Totally. The farmers, the, the carrot farmers. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, the pea farmers. Yeah, I support the farmers, but um, you know we're effectively outsourcing it, and it, it's certainly no one probably not many people would want to do that type of work as it is, um, and by design it's kept out of sight, out of mind from from the public, isn't it? Of course, it? Yeah. yeah. There's ag gag laws. Yeah, the security on those places is enormous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to get. Well, they've proven it's hard to get a photo, let alone get in there. Mm. So you know, a photo from the outside in the states, people are prosecuted from taking photos from fence lines mm. so yeah it's why in australia it's it's even um it, it's almost like a a bit of a sacred industry isn't it you can't if if you choose to criticize or or um critically look at that industry you're almost labeled un-australian you're labeled you don't support the farmers um you know you're, you're anti-business you're an extremist yep where in actual fact it's you know the the very nature that if it if people could look at it they make their own mind up they probably wouldn't do it so they've um so they've they've got a vested interest in obviously keeping it from from people um and it, you know it's just one of those those types of um i don't know for australia it's it's obviously it's a big export it's a it's a big part of our economy but you know there is there is a i guess instances of those those types of businesses starting to transition over to um, to more plant-based products. Is For that sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so they're the, seeing the light. The, the ones that you see do it seem to thrive. Yes. And and I guess as you said it before, people start voting with their wallets and there's more consumption of, of vegan products. Absolutely. There's going to be more opportunity for people for fa- people in farming situations to do that. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, for me, it's a, it's a bit of a no-brainer in terms of the benefits uh, you know, everybody's going to benefit from it. 
but I agree with you. I think in, in Australia, it's definitely a cultural thing. It's, it's how I grew up. Mm. You know, I said before we were totally, it was the meat and three veg thing. Yeah. Well, there's a barbecue and there are steaks and sausages and, mm. um, but it needn't be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an Australian culture thing. It's particularly a fitness industry thing as well. Like, you know, just that people are indoctrinated into thinking that meat equals muscle. They don't know that plant-based foods are perfectly fine. And you've got an athletic background as well, don't you? So you're an ultra marathon runner, which is pretty, pretty epic. Well, I, I, I dabble. I'm, I'm no athlete, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I've always run a little bit and I, I find it's just good for me. It suits me. Just uh, run a little bit. So what is an ultra marathon? Uh, the ones I've done are about, the big ones I've done are about 100K. Wow. Um, and looking at maybe doing a 100 miler which is 160k yeah okay yeah there and there are guys do out there doing a lot more but um yeah i just love i get out it clears my head I, and i the beauty of that is i i do a lot of that on trail okay um so those those races i have done are trail runs yeah. i did a i did one called the uta ultra trail australia earlier this year down in the blue mountains yeah which is amazing that's a real magical country and so 100k's on trail and you just get lost and it's kind of meditative um so yeah that's that's the athletic so thing hit, hit your pace and and um you're basically getting a good dose of nature for for quite a few hours i mean how long does it take to, to do 100 k's yeah i did that just under 14 hours wow so yeah it's a hills you're and... out there for a bit plenty yeah so i think that race is about four and a half thousand meters of elevation okay wow so yeah plenty of hills yep um but yeah it's amazing you get out in nature you get some fresh air get some sunshine um, run into some people that have similar similar interests and have yeah. a bit of a chat while you're going along. Yeah. Get uh, locked in the pain cave for a few hours. <laughs> it's always good for you. It's incredible. I, I, you're better man than I. I mean, I, uh-huh. I love, you know, workouts that go for minutes, not not hours. Um, and, and has being vegan, I'm sure it hasn't slowed you down and probably in actual fact, has, has, it, has it helped? For sure. Yep. Yeah, well, I... Um, I was running before I was vegan while I was vego and, uh, but didn't do anything like a hundred Ks. And I found that I'm just, just lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. I mean, not that light, but it, uh, I feel like you're not wiry. Yeah. You're certainly yeah. not, not like when I think of ultra marathon runners I might think of that, that real kind of, um, skinny and, and other people, they think are oh, vegan. You must be really super skinny, but you've, kind of fly under the radar with both those things totally yeah i'm contradicting all the stereotypes yeah i, I don't know how or why but yeah it uh mate yeah totally i'm 100 plant-based and i i've been running you know 100 k's a week for the last few months wow i'm minus a few weeks i broke my foot but uh it yeah and it made it treat you well you know you know what it's like yeah and what, what sort of foods do you eat uh to fuel you sure um we well, a lot of greens. We'll, we'll, in terms of meals, you know, we'll do a lot of stir fries. That's kind of what what we do there. I I do a fair bit of the intermittent fasting sort of thing. So I, I'm a bit of a breakfast dodger. Yeah. Um, breakfast normally is a, a cup of coffee, and then lunch will be some kind of salad, and then yeah, probably a stir fry stir fry for dinner. Okay. Um, lots of veggies, lots of beans. Yeah. Um, I like my beans. Tempeh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you carb load or starch load before you do these big events? No, not at all. Well, fat load is that another source of fuel? Or? I eat lots of fat, but that's just because I love avocados. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, not not really specifically. Often I'll try to cut down on fiber for a day or two prior. Okay. I won't go into why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. 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 And and then so on not the, many not many toilet breaks on the way. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There, well, there and also an infinite number of toilets on the way. Oh, true. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. But but you just don't want to stop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the beauty of the forest, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. But and then yeah, on the day, lots of lots of sugar on the day. Yeah. Okay. So fruits. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've got a lot of buddies that will will do it. We'll do a race like that purely on fruit. Often like bananas and dates, the real sugary guys. Yep. I ran a, a race here on the coast in July. It's the Kokoda Challenge, yep. which is a real great charity run. And it's a team of four. You, you run the 96 Ks, uh, which emulates the, the Kokoda track in New Guinea. Mm-hmm. And you run it as a group of four. And you've got to do the whole thing together. And one of the boys did it on bananas. I think he had about 15 bananas over the course of the day. Wow. He's, uh, and he, yeah, he's plant-based also. Yeah. And some dates, it's, it's good fuel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It would have felt probably amazing afterwards as well. Like totally. Doing that type of, you know, cleansing, eating those sort of foods yep. and exercising. I mean, you, you do, you might be stuffed afterwards, but you still feel um, so energetic. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, and it's one, it's an interesting thing to find in, in that circle of athletes, a lot of the non-vegan, non-vego guys will actually change onto plant-based diets or maybe a week out or yep. something like that just to, Clean, clean the guts, you know, that there's nothing in there that is so intensive to digest, mm-hmm. um, which really interests me. I kind of go, yeah, why don't you do it all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Rather and then than they just go, to, oh. Well, it's a similar mindset to people that might um, find themselves confronted with an illness and that they go plant-based. Okay, I've got to start eating more fruits and vegetables and drinking juice and all those sort of things. Yeah. If you just do that beforehand, then why wait till you, you get diagnosed with something? Yeah. or You or, might get there. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You're, you're racing the clock then yeah. um, or with an event. Um, a lot of martial artists do that as well. A lot of sure. guys um, I knew when I was out in Vegas that were getting ready for fights, they would go plant-based one or two weeks out and it would actually be great for them to to find their ideal body composition, retain the muscle, lose the fat, feel lighter, yep. um, bring their body into more of an alkaline state as well. Sure. So they're um, obviously when you're exercising, producing a lot of acids in your body. Um, if you've got more alkaline uh, blood, you're going to be able to combat that as well and, and freely get rid of those waste products as well yep. um, through your system. So the accumulation of those um, is inevitable, but the ability to get rid of them, um, you know, is super important as well. So yep. um, it's amazing to to sort of see that, um, you know, that you've, you've embraced the nutrition lifestyle, but um, from from an ethical standpoint, but then it's obviously been a, a benefit for you, you know, in in your sports and, and pursuits as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just a. I mean, it's just you feel good yep. day to day, physically, but also it was one of those things when I I went and the story about the abattoir and the well, the piggery was later, but the abattoir, I was still eating meat for a short period of time, but you just weighed down, yep. you know, your conscience, you just feeling horrible and so and then eventually the same thing happened when i was vego just before i became vegan i, I kind of went yeah this is inevitable this is happening you know and there was a, a short period where i'd go yeah okay i'll still eat that thing and you're like what am i doing what am i putting in there mm. um when you're doing it right though you feel great yep and and obviously um you've had the benefit of, of seeing it for real what would you say to people that uh, want to get more educated where can they go to kind of learn more about this you can't just rock up at a slaughterhouse or 
or a you know dairy production facility. So I just want to have a look around and totally. make, make a conscious decision about whether I want to eat this type of food or not. Absolutely. How do well, you get that info? And that's a probably a pretty good reason to question what you're consuming, right? Like if uh, yeah yeah if if you're being if you can't check out what's in there that 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 in itself absolutely yeah um mate I'm there are pl- there's plenty of good stuff online um it's it's one of those things that now people are getting in there and infiltrating that kind of thing and and showing what it's like but I think the big thing for me is just step it way way back and and make a decision you know are these animals kind of the same and and I guess that's where I'm lucky I've I've gotten to know pigs and cows and chickens and they're chickens that chase a ball yeah and yeah. come when you call them and hop on your lap for a cuddle yeah you know and and all of a sudden you go oh cool you're not like a product you're henrietta you know like yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. that's cool see ya i'll see you next time like, yeah it's good to meet you mm. um and then, you know it sounds crazy initially but then you're like that i just they're people now yes um They've got personalities. Totally. Yeah, they're quirky. And I think if people kind of get that idea, then you have to go, okay, cool. Now just make the jump that they're all like that. Mm. They all could be like that. Yeah. You know, they all could be your dog. And yeah, it doesn't make sense if you're living in a townhouse to have a 500 kilo cow as a pet, but could. Yes. You could take it out for a walk each day. And, you know, like, um, and there are people with pet cows and they bathe them and they call them and they run around and play with them and um once you start thinking like that all of a sudden you go okay cool they're just like us now am i cool with this happening to them um yeah and then that's where online you can see what happens i mean you only have to look it i shudder every time i drive past it you know a mass livestock transport vehicle on the on the highway yeah you kind of look at them crammed in there um and again you can smell it it's uh so yeah and that's uh just the beginning yeah i mean some of the practices that um that they're subjected to as well you mentioned before that people um that that are are vets in in the industry like yourself have to it's not just the the killing of the animals the guys that work there but even just their maintenance and keeping them moving as well there's some pretty kind of disgusting I'm going to use the word perverted kind of things because I, I wouldn't want to do that to anybody or any other animal. For sure. But they're having to do that, you know, for for a career. Yeah. Yeah, so we were, we were talking about rectal preg testing and it's, uh, yeah, it's something that, it's crazy, right? It starts like that mm. and then you get desensitized to it where it was, it's normal and, and a bit of a laugh. And then I've come out the other side where now I, I it kind of makes me wince again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I've done it. I had to do it as part of university yeah. where I... Because you mentioned briefly earlier, we, we all get spat out of vet school the same mold. Mm. So ready to go and do anything. Um, but absolutely, there are, there are people out there that are working in extensive or intensive kind of cattle husbandry systems and, and they have to know if these animals are pregnant or not. And that's, I mean, that's then the next generation of, of product. Yeah. But the cheapest way to do it is to shove an arm up their back end and palpate their uterus through their rectum and see if you can feel a baby in there. And uh, that's also how they artificially inseminate in dairy mm. cattle. 
So so generally beef cattle will be natural. They'll do the hanky-panky out in the field. Right. But in dairy situations, they'll, they'll do it. And so they'll do it, put on the glove and put their hand up their bum to feed the catheter in to inseminate them. So those cattle aren't breeding because mm. they come in season. You mm. know, I mean, they do. They physically come in hormonally they come in season and that's something that's closely monitored but then yeah they're they're artificially inseminated to and then they preg test them to check that they are pregnant um so so you know you've talked before most people can understand that the animals could just be like the animals that they have at home they could be yeah if they're given that chance um to understand then what's happening for even even those animals that that might not necessarily we might not eat their meat but what's happening to them just for their byproduct um, and what what kind of life do they have? And the, the subjection to to cruelty like that yep. is, I mean, I feel sorry for the people that have to do it as well. Oh, I yeah. actually, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a humanist as well. I think that, um, you know, that I, I would wouldn't want to subject my friends or people out there to do that kind of work for me. Yeah, I think that that in itself is absolutely. Uh, but yeah, at, at this point in time, while people are spending the money, someone's got to do the job. Wow. I, you know, that's how I feel about it. Yep. it it's got to come from that end too. You know, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Yep. But if people stop producing the product, um, and yeah, look, I, it, I just thought while you were chatting then is someone asked me once again about the why, why vegan? Yep. I get vego, but why vegan? And my short answer now is what about the boys? Yep. Both industries, dairy and, and eggs, Cause they're like, oh, you know, like no one gets hurt. They make eggs anyway. They make milk anyway. Yeah, cool. You know, their life's hunky-dory and we just take these things that they don't need. Yep. If you're a boy in either of those industries, you, if you're a chicken, you probably don't make a day or two. Mm-hmm. And if you're a, a dairy cow, you probably don't make weeks. Right. Um, you Quick. might not make days if they're not going to sell you. Okay. Um, they just just waste waste yep, it yep. completely, okay. and um, and they'll be they'll be killed, I guess on site probably day one, uh, but otherwise they're sold for veal. Yep, and and that so you know they'd live for a few weeks and that's about it. Mm. So yeah, that's that's my quick answer. Yeah, and it's a good way to for people to go. What about my, oh, yeah, okay. What does happen there? Yeah, and, yeah. That's why I, I said before I. That'd be the last thing I'd consume. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's incredible that we, we give it other names as well. So it's veal or it's uh, ham. For it's, sure. It's bacon. You know, we don't want to associate the food with the animal because that, that's too close an association that suddenly people could perhaps have, you know, start to think more emotionally about those types of things. Uh, absolutely. So they keep it well away, just like they keep the process and the finished product well away. Yeah. Yeah. I like telling people that, that milk's not milk it's a it's a glandular secretion with a an acceptable white cell count acceptable yeah passable mm-hmm. not optimal mm. Mm. yeah 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 not zero yes yeah okay yeah so, so what is it uh well, oh. like it's parts per, per million but it's um the secretions contain uh this pus there's antibiotics there's i mean there's well, and so so in terms of pus is is a cellular thing so it's white blood cells yep. which is an immune function you know it's part of the immune system of that animal and and yeah there are acceptable numbers and that would be as cells per mil or cells per liter mm. um you know and there'll be there will always be some yeah 
and uh, at certain points, I'm sure that stuff gets rejected or maybe diluted. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's an acceptable level. That's insane. So those types of animals, though, in your vet clinic, you've actually uh, cared for those. You've performed surgeries. Um, that must be a feel-good thing. These animals getting a second lease on life. They might be a little bit, um, you know, really not. They're not um, traditional cases of, of animals that you'd, you'd get brought to you. Um, but you know, they they suffer the same sort of things, and particularly if they've been in that environment uh, in the initial part of their life, they might have inherited some some issues, um, broken bones, or just disform, you know, figments or formations. Uh, but you've you've worked on those animals too, haven't you? Yeah, mate, and it is. It's amazing. It's something we don't do a lot of uh, because there, I guess, there aren't lots of them as pets, um, and and we you know we are set up as a as a small animal clinic, but it is amazing to do to kind of. We, I talk the talk and so it's nice to walk the walk and uh, yeah. yeah we deal with a, a, a brilliant group down at Sugarshine Farm who are a farm animal rescue and they take animals out of some of these horrific kind of intensive and extensive husbandry systems and, and rehome them and let them basically do what they do yeah. so they live a very very natural life with normal behaviours and, and, and I guess I come in where my goal is to just make sure they're comfy too uh, and the one we discussed earlier we, we saw a goat earlier this week who was new to them and came to them with a damaged forelimb. And so we knew that it had pretty severe soft tissue injuries to its lower leg. Maybe we think it had been caught in a fence or something like that. Um, and that, that, that its lower limb kind of just below the elbow, everything below that was not vital. Um, and so we were talking about initially, could we save it? And, and the answer was no. And then, and then talking about amputation options um, because like us, it's, yeah, it's great to have all your legs, but it's better to be alive without one um, yeah. than the other option. Uh, and then we found out that it also dislocated its shoulder, um, whether it was the same incident or another incident. Um, and so we ended up, we took it to surgery and uh, yeah, that little dude, that lady, she's, uh, she's got a little kid still suckling. Okay. Um, and so we sent her home and she was up and about the next day with the little kid. Wow. Yeah. They're beautiful animals too, aren't they? They're amazing. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, it just made, it just makes me happy to go. It's, it's a cool example too. I see in the faces of people that, that all our neighbors at the center would hear it and come around and be like, what the hell's going on? What's that noise? Cause they don't hold back. Right. Yeah. They're, they're used yeah. to being in a paddock. So loud is cool. Yeah. So they're noisy and they don't sound like a dog. Mm. Um, so people come kind of knocking, going, hey guys, what's going on in here today? You know? And uh, it's amazing that, oh yeah, we just got a goat in, we're doing surgery. You're doing surgery on a goat in the middle of Miami? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the guys bring it up. And uh, yeah, man, the rest is history. We had a little, little piglet who'd been traumatized, had a, a really, really severe facial injury. And at less than a week old, we don't re we're not really 100% sure, less than a week old, uh, we, we took her to surgery, uh, him, we thought her, but it was a him, okay. um, and ended up again, we, he, he lost an eye, um, but we repaired his face and that little guy is, oh, the last I saw him, he was probably about 30 or 40 kilos and wow. I'm sure he's double that now. Mm. And yeah, kicking it in a paddock down there with a whole bunch of other pigs doing normal piggy things. Yep. Um, yeah. 
It's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I congratulate you for doing that work oh, as well. Thanks, that's, mate. that's really cool. And that's, um, I, I can see um, there is a lot of thanks, isn't there? That you, I guess that, 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 that feeling that you get from being able to help that animal and, and let it go and do that, I mean, that, that in itself would be so rewarding. For sure. Yeah. And what would you say to people that um, just to, that, that have pets at home that might want to take an ethical stance about how they, they care for that animal, but sometimes feel conflicted about what they've got to feed it or the fact that they've got it in their home. Um, you know, they might have, um, you know, a cat that they can't let outdoors for whatever reason for safety, but, you know, they suffer those conflicts. They might be, uh, you know, vegan, but not wanting to feed their animal uh, you know, any animal foods, but you know, naturally that animal might want to eat animal foods. How do you help people navigate that? Because I guess um, you know we can we can only do so much in a society that's that's got animal products so prevalent. Um, you know, we've we've got we've inherited all these these legacy issues about how animals are permeated so many different areas of our lives, um, and we're still working through that. And I think being vegan is a great stance to take to say I don't want to wherever possible i don't want to support those industries i want to choose what i put in my body um, i'm going to think about more consciously about these different issues but we're not there yet we don't live in a vegan society and it's probably possible even for a vegan to be completely 100 percent vegan agreed yeah so yeah. how do you how would you say to someone like that that feels conflicted yeah just, sure i i guess I, what i would say is start with good on you for thinking it because that's the first step mm -hmm. And I guess don't stress, you don't have to be 100%. Like the reality is there's probably something that, you know, if you break it down far enough and you go back far enough in the production, yeah, society's not vegan, so it's real hard to do. Yeah. Um, less is better. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, I mean, talk to someone who, who has an educated opinion about it, get online. Like obviously online is amazing, but there's some pretty unsubstantiated sort of stuff on there. Yeah. So yeah, be be wary of what you what you're reading but um yeah i mean you mentioned it like an indoor cat yeah totally that we've got to weigh up the pros and cons and and for those animals for that animal yeah that's that's not a natural environment but there are plenty of benefits i i i really like it for a lot of reasons one those cats are very safe two the wildlife is very safe from that cat mm. and the happy medium might be you know, I have, because I do have this conversation with people at work, um, the happy medium might be, hey, we build an enclosure yeah. so that that cat can go out and be on the grass, in the fresh air, in the sunshine, or see if your cat will wear a little collar or a harness, take it for a walk. Yeah. And uh, that's great, man. We get people bring cats in now. They hop out of the car, out hops the cat on its lead, in they walk. Um, so, you know, things are changing. That's one of the coolest things to see, I reckon, people taking their cats for a walk. Agreed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I love it a lot. It's uh, cats. Oh, it's funny. In Australia, I, we were talking about cultural stuff and I feel like there's this underlying culture of dudes not being allowed to love cats. Mm. I don't know if you've found that. Like, Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I'm a dog man. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I was. I was a dog man, right? Yeah, so, totally. Um, even though I didn't, I didn't have a dog until I was 17, I lobbied mum and dad, give me a dog, give me a dog. Finally, they said... If you do well at the end of high school, you can get a dog. And so that was my reward. That, yeah. was, that was where I was aiming. Got the dog. Um, anyway, once we were down here and working as, as vets, we, uh, I, I, had, I adopted a cat into the clinic that someone didn't want to, to deal with uh, on a medical level. And so I had him in the clinic for a short period of time treating him. And uh, at, during that point in time, Dana, my wife, uh, came in for a visit and he's a he's a 
ragdoll cross. So he's a cute little white wow. fluffy thing. He was a kitten. So, you know, put him on a birthday card, right? You yeah. Know, she walked in and said, what is that? And I'm like, I, I told her the story and she's like, he's mine. <laughs> so anyway, he, he was the first cat and him and I are like, tight buddies yeah. he meets me at the front door well wow. he talks to me he yells at me like he follows me around if i bend down to do up my shoes he jumps up onto my shoulder and sits on my shoulder while i walk around the house um i'm sold yep and i say to people now people will be like someone will come in with a dog they'll be like oh yeah i don't really like cats and i say you haven't met the right one <laughs> yeah they, they would absolutely melt if they yeah had an opportunity to meet a cat like that totally yeah. actually my view on cats changed as well i was um virtually sort of cat sitting uh, for a while and there was two cats and completely different personalities but won me over after yeah. that like i can i feel like i can look at cat videos now and i feel it i feel it like kind of yeah. just that that really quirky nature that they've got um and the intelligence they've got i don't have a cat i don't necessarily think i'll ever ever make perhaps own one yep but ever since spending time with them completely won over that they just yeah, they're the most interesting animals, I think. For sure. Yeah, yeah they're, they're amazing. And it's, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a, a funny one talking about cultural stuff. Yeah. Is that... I had a neighbor that used to say, a good cat's a dead cat. Uh -huh. That was his stance. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. I mean... <laughs> I have people come and tell me that at work and I sort of, and I say to them, I'm like, who do you think you're talking to? Yeah. Like, I mean, not, not, not that you can't say that to me, but like, do you think I'm going to pat you on the back? Yeah. And, then I, and I, I, just, I just said to him, Dude, I love cats. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. You, you're missing out. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's funny. Mate, and, and um and just lastly, I have I've seen you um play live. Um most people wouldn't wouldn't know uh from that conversation, but Dr. Rich is also a talented percussionist. You've worked in different bands. Um and um, you know, that that in itself is just probably what another outlet, another creative pursuit and something completely different to everything else you do in your life, isn't it? Absolutely, mate. It it's something I, I've done since I was sort of six or seven years old. And uh yeah, it's just so different that I, I love it when when you I guess your cup's full over here and you're a little bit fatigued, you go and do a little bit of this and it just evens you up. So wow. it's yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. And it's quite physical as well. And you, you, what what type of instrument specifically? Do you mainly, play? mainly drum kit. Yeah, but yeah, that still gets pretty physical. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have I seen you on the bongos at any point in time? Oh, hopefully not, because it wouldn't be good. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of crossover there, but yeah, uh, no, it's it's look. I mean, on a very very basic level, yeah, there's crossover, but that's yeah. a it's a to do it well. Yeah. It's a pretty specific uh, instrument with a whole lot of technique and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unreal. So you're flying the flag for um, for ethical choices out there and an ethical lifestyle in a, in an industry that um, you know not many people would dare do, um, or they've they've really switched off that consciousness just to you know be in that in that environment. But you've you've chosen a stance. It's incredible. Um, people can obviously uh, local to the Gold Coast can come and, and you know bring their animals into the Fed Collective. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at Miami and, and be cared for from you. We might be able to catch you. Drumming, drumming away, uh, you know, in one of the many groups that you're you're performing with, um, or catch you outside, you know, in a in a lazy hundred mile run at some point in time. <laughs> Hopefully, but, yeah. But mate, really interesting. I could talk to you all day, particularly around the the you know something that we're passionate about as a brand, which is making ethical products. And really, for a lot of people out there that don't understand when they're buying a whey protein or they're maybe they're um, you know having chicken and eggs foods like that really what's going on behind it um and 
they're not even just sold on the idea that it's health food. They're chasing a, a body composition goal. You can achieve that body, you can achieve optimal health um, without having to go there. And you're going to be supporting industries that don't involve that type of uh, cruelty, which is um, which I think is a, a, an easy choice to make. Um, and that's what we do is obviously um, help educate people to, to make those sort of choices. So, yeah. And mate, thank you for doing that. Mate, absolutely. Well, that's our little part to play. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like the fitness community needs it um, because totally. it's it's there. There is a huge um, culture of um, just look. We'll get get jacked or get ripped at whatever cost, um, or you know, even people want to you know achieve and do something physically um, pretty pretty high level. But in in all those different areas, you can do it going plant based. Um, so it's just about education, getting information out there, and you can do everything. Exactly right, mate, which yeah. you are. So thanks very <laughs> thanks, much mate. today for coming in, uh, Dr. Rich. And um, I hope the listeners got something out of today. We'll link some information um, to the video as well. So the clinic, uh, we also might try and dig up and find a video if you strum it away on there as well. Yeah, cool. <laughs> thanks very much, Rich. Thanks for having me, Okay, bro. cheers. Yeah. Okay.